I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. certain you were going to do Norm from Cheers again. No. <laughs> that would be too stale, I think. <laughs> I pre- you know what? I appreciate that. We got the same instinct. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to have to fucking cut him off. I'm going to have to denorm him. Oh, my God. We didn't have to. We were on the same wavelength. Yeah. So on, uh, on this episode, today's episode, this is a big one for me. This is an important one. We're going to be talking about the time I worked at Cineplex Odeon Ridge Cinemas in beautiful Arlington Heights. <laughs> Um, so, Ridge, when I, first of all, you know Ridge, right? Yes, I do. Was, do you know it as a theater? Um, yeah, when I was very young, and it is currently an export. Yeah, it's a gym now, but that's kind of what I was thinking, like, when you were a kid, it was a theater, you remember going there ever? Never went. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I went there a couple times, I remember seeing the second Die Hard there in the theater. Nice. I remember seeing Batman, 89 Batman, with Michael Keaton. Wow. There as well. So I I went there kind of through junior high, which is weird because it's not that close to where I lived. Yeah. But I I can't think of a closer theater, especially back then, so maybe it just was the closest one. How'd you get there? Well, when I first got... So... To take us back to, uh, as we talked about last episode, I worked at Bob Chin's Crab House, and uh, the ribs fell on the floor. We all remember that. (laughs) Um, I really wanted this job. Aaron got the job first at the theater because he knew somebody who worked there, which I'll get into in a minute. And then Shane got the job kind of through Aaron. And then by the time I came along and wanted a job, they weren't hiring or they weren't hiring any more of Aaron's friends or I don't know what exactly it was, but it's like I came along like, hey, where's my job? And it was like, no, sorry, not yet. So that's when I got the job at Bob Chin's Crab House. And then quickly after I stopped working at Bob Chin's, I guess a position avail- uh, opened and I jumped on it real quick, had my interview and got the job at Ridge and didn't know it, but this was going to be the first job, A, that I liked going to and B, that I didn't get those butterflies, like, pretty quickly. I would say within the first two weeks, I stopped feeling nervous going to work. Okay. So I knew it was possible at that point to get a job that didn't make me want to, you know, bash my head into a wall. Um, as far as the job, so Aaron, the the person that kind of was Aaron's in was this this girl named Amy it's kind of it's funny because I went to junior high with her and I remember I had cooking class with her like home ec home ec class totally in seventh grade and I thought she was absolutely adorable back then she had these cute little red frame glasses and so I knew I was very familiar with her um and then Aaron got the job and he had like a little bit of a crush on her and so I think it was sort of he got the job hoping you know maybe there 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 could come something else mm. from it 
but that's how he ended up at Ridge because it wasn't really close to where we lived. Uh, and then here, here I came. And uh, yeah, it was real quick. So the hierarchy of the theater back then, and it's probably still mostly this way, but you've got your GM on top, then you've got your assistant GM, then you've got your supervisor, then you've got your doorman, then you've got your ushers, and then you've got the lowly concessioneers. And that was how it was back then. The projectionists were a union job, and they were like old dudes who had been working there forever, making you know like thirty bucks an hour or something ridiculous like that. Wow. Um, the uniform there was uh, black pants, which I provided, and then they would provide a white striped shirt and a bow tie, a little black bow tie. Oh man! And I guess before I worked there, they had maroon blazers too, oh. but I came along right after the maroon blazers because I never got to rock one of those bad boys. Do you wish you did? <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny. R- right when I got hired, I probably would have been really uncomfortable wearing that. Ugh. But fast forward like six months and I wished they had them. And I'll, I'll explain kind of why in a minute. But yeah, they had a, they had them in a closet somewhere, but they were like old and stinky. And I didn't want to. <laughs> I probably could have put one on, but no thanks. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> when I first got hired there... Uh, it was sort of there was a couple of people I knew from either high school or from night school. And you're about seventeen. I was. Let's see. This would have been ninety three. I would have been just turned seventeen. Yeah. So junior or like freshly senior. Right at the end of summer. Um. Oh, yeah. Right oh. at the end of summer before senior year. Okay. So I was just going into senior year, getting that job, and uh, yeah, it was like. I remember there was, so there's the main concession stand, the big one when you walk in before like the doorman. And then after the doorman, there's like a smaller concession stand with like three uh, POSs, you know, for, for points of sale. Yeah. Um, so essentially we'd always have the main concession stand open. There'd be a couple people working there. And then if it was busy, like a Fridays and Saturday nights, they would open the second concession stand as well. And then people who had already gone through and ripped their tickets, if they're coming out of theaters to get popcorn, they wouldn't have to go all the way to the main concession stand. They could just go to that middle one. And so it kind of became a thing where on those busy nights, me and Aaron or me and Shane, or sometimes me, Aaron and Shane would all be in the second concession stand together. Oh man. Yeah. So it was like the fucking natives, you know, (laughs) running the, running the store. Like we were, we were, uh, we got nuts and we used to like, do our hair all crazy i'd put gel in my hair i'd basically spike up half of it and then slick the other half back and just like act like an asshole basically right just having fun you know what i mean kind of making it fun for us and doing the job but doing it in a way that would make it fun for us right um but yeah it was awesome it felt like our concession stand you know like oh this is our spot back here and the managers kind of left us alone as long as we do what we were supposed to do you know right which basically just meant someone walks up we try to sell them popcorn Try to upsell them on bigger sizes and then uh, offer them butter-flavored topping. Take your balls out of the popcorn. Yeah, definitely no balls in the popcorn in those early days. But uh, I remember early when I got hired there, there was uh, it was when Jurassic Park was in theaters, and they had a promotion which they they call they had this like a big plastic kind of looked like it was made out of stone, but it was just corrugated plastic. Yeah, and it was called the Tub Rex. 
<laughs> it's like a big <laughs> tub. And, you know, we'd sell popcorn, right, in the tub racks. And then it got to a point where we had so many tub rexes because people weren't buying them and the promotion sort of was over. And Jurassic Park was in the theater for like nine months. It was really, it was there forever. But we would start, we started trying to like give tub rexes away to people. Just like any any excuse, just get rid of them, trying to get rid of them. And at one point, I remember Aaron had a customer and he was like, oh, did you want a tub, you know, did you want a tub Rex? And the guy's like, I'll get that if I can put Coke in it. And Aaron's like, yeah, I don't see why not. And so we filled this fucking thing, we filled this fucking thing up with Coke and it had to be like two liters of Coke. I mean, it's like a large popcorn tub, right? Yeah, it was like a large popcorn tub, but it was a little bit taller and thinner. So it was closer to a drink cup than a, like a wide popcorn tub, but it was still like massive. He filled that thing up with Coke and gave it to the guy. We should and I remember try to going find to the pictures theater. Of this thing. I want to see this thing. <laughs> the Tub Rex, yeah, I wonder if the internet's got any pictures of it. But I remember going to the theater after and finding that Tub Rex. It was like ninety eight percent still full of Coke, <laughs> just on the floor. I was like, all right, he gave it a shot. But yeah, that was the kind of uh, kind of the situation there. Like it was pretty pretty wild, and you know, for that kind of a a job, we just had a lot of fun, kind of being us. We were able to be more us than any other job I've had up until that point certainly but we've mentioned Dan before to the to the audience but our mutual friend Dan who's one of my longtime best friends I actually met him at this job so when I got hired at Ridge Dan who's about five years older than me he was a doorman slash usher so he was like the couple he was like a step or two above concessionaire above what we were he was still one of us. He still wore the, spipe, the striped shirt and the uh, bow tie, but he was kind of like the higher class. And for some reason, he didn't like me. <laughs> and he didn't like, he honestly, he didn't, he didn't really, he just wasn't warm. He wasn't an asshole necessarily, but he just wasn't warm. He didn't, he was not interested in getting to know me, which of course, like a stupid person, I, made me want to impress him more, you know? Like, why doesn't this guy like me? He seems so cool, you know? And he had, like, good taste in music, and he was kind of a big dude. And I remember, so one of the early, and I actually reached out to Dan and asked him about this, because I could remember my side of it, but I couldn't remember what actually happened. Right. So I'm going to tell you kind of half and half, like, I'll, 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 I'll unveil it to you sort of in stages. But what I remember is... Well, I'll start with him. So he, the way he told it, and I believe this is probably exactly how it happened. He was, it was a busy night, like a Friday, you know, busy night, and we had the queues with a bunch of people waiting for the the theater to open up so they could be let in for the next movie. So they had like you know the stanchions with the velvet ropes, kind of creating lines like an amusement park or whatever. And a guy, I guess, a guy was waiting in that, and he just dropped the rope. He like picked it up and un- unhooked it and dropped it on the floor and walked over to kind of a little lounge area that had chairs and, and like seating in it. Yeah. And Dan followed him over there, like, "Hey, just so you know, like this is where you have to wait for the for the movie. You're not you're not gonna be able to get into the theater if you're waiting over here. This is this is where the line is." And the guy kind of shrugged him off, like, a, you know, kind of a go fuck yourself moment. And Dan's like, all right, I'm just letting you know. And then Dan kind of went back. And then not too long after that, Dan saw the guy, like, milling about in front of the theater, like, waiting for the theater to get out. Yeah. Like he's going to go right in. And so, of course, Dan went over, because Dan didn't take no shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, 
you know, sorry, but you know, you're not getting to the theater from over here. That's what this line over here is. All those people are waiting patiently, and that's that's where you need to wait if you want to get in this theater. And the guy's like, I don't, you know, I have to listen to you. Like, Fuck off. And then the guy's like, oh, I'm going to the bathroom. And Dan's like, okay. And then the guys start walking to the bathroom, and then Dan like got in front of him, like, and said, no, I don't think so. And then the guy like, went around Dan, and then Dan just went back, and and <laughs> they basically played this dance all the way to the like through the hallway all the way to the where the restrooms were now it's at this point that i remember this is where i i came in because i'm behind the concession stand to my memory i remember seeing dan basically dancing with this dude like they're kind of <laughs> bizarrely bizarrely walking across the theater kind of half in front of each other and half not and then i see like a scuffle happen by the doors to into the bathroom I see the guy like kind of shoving Dan mm-hmm. and then the guy goes into the bathroom at that point I'm already like making a beeline over because I want to a I want to see what the fuck is going to happen and B, even though me and Dan aren't necessarily buddies at this point I don't think he's still one of our guys you know yeah you're just back so <laughs> what I remember is <laughs> so the guy goes in the bathroom and Dan falls into the bathroom and then like seconds later I walk into the bathroom just in time to see Dan throw this guy like head first through uh, the stall like into the stall the handicap stall like through the door just like pitched him through the door and the guy like lands on the floor in a heap between like the wall and the fucking toilet and Dan's like stand over him like come on man let's get up let's do this you know he's ready <laughs> and the guy, and the, yeah and exactly he's all heated up and the guy's like no nah, I don't I don't I'm not getting up <laughs> guy's like, all right that's what I thought Dan for for everyone basically who doesn't know Dan though is Dan is the kind of person that'll handle his shit. And, you know, I guess sometimes you need to throw a motherfucker through a bathroom stall, but... You know, that's what's interesting, is Dan is not the kind of guy to throw him through the stall before he put hands on Dan, you know? Right. Dan will de-escalate, generally. But if, if if that doesn't work... And this is, like, my introduction to him, essentially. I didn't really know the guy, so I'm like, oh, this fucking guy just threw this... And Dan's like probably 23 at that time I'm 17 and the guy he's throwing I don't remember how old he was but he's definitely like a man he was, <laughs> yeah. like a gro- he was a grown up you know and Dan's like fucking pitched him through a door in a bathroom like fuck you so I just remember thinking like oh that's that's the kind of guy I, I think I want to be around more <laughs> right. but it turns out that Dan was kind of making a play for Amy the girl that Aaron got the job to try to woo and so, you know, Aaron shows up and he's all, you know, doing his thing and being flirtatious and being very interested in this girl that Dan kind of, you know, was already, you know, putting putting the moves on for all, for all intents and purposes. And uh, so he didn't like Aaron sort of by nature of competition and also because he didn't like Aaron's uh, style of flirting, I guess, to yeah. <laughs> to a degree. And then just by connection, that's why he didn't really vibe with me. But I don't know. I, it was somewhere after that point that we started to like. He started getting warm to us, and then we were kind of being like friendly at work. And then I remember we went to Denny's all as a group, and I was sitting next to Dan in the booth, and he ordered the fucking uh, mushroom and Swiss burger. And I was flabbergasted. I'd never seen anybody get a burger with mushrooms and Swiss cheese on it before. <laughs> I swear to God, I was I was that was my reaction. I was like, wait, it's got mushrooms on it? He's like, yeah. I'm like. And Swiss cheese? He's like, yeah. Some, some mushroom and Swiss burger. I'm like, is that good? He's like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, I didn't know you could put those flavors together on a burger. <laughs> such fucking a fucking idiot. To say. 
I know. It's so... I'm telling you, I made a joke at a previous episode about my, my childlike palate from back in the day. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, I, I really... I didn't know you could put anything but, like, ketchup and mustard and lettuce and tomato on a burger. I had a McDonald's outlook, you know? You're right. So, I, he blew my mind with that. I remember that very distinctly, like, at the Denny's mind blown over his mushroom and Swiss burger which of course he thinks I'm an idiot for but <laughs> while you're sitting next to him eating Doritos and drinking chocolate milk uh, yeah man let's not get into my old eating habits but <laughs> when I die of a heart attack it will be no surprise oh, man. but yeah so that was kind of the beginning of our our friendship which you know blossomed and he's been one of my best friends since then but yeah I remember once he kind of welcomed us into the fold it sort of was like joining a gang. Like, that's when that theater really became... Like, we were part of something there. Sure. It's so silly to think about it that way, but it really did feel like... I remember going to work and being excited to, like, get there and be with my friends and kind of have the run of the place. You know, it was... Uh, yeah, it was cool. It was bizarre. He, was, he wasn't a manager, but there's something... Something about him felt in charge. Mm. You know? This is my love letter to Dan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. So the the job itself, let's see. Yeah, I remember uh, fucking being a concessionaire sucked. That's one thing that, like, I didn't like working behind the concession stand. You had to make the food. You had, it felt like you were doing more work than everybody else. Mm. You had to, like, get everything ready, and then you had to break everything down, clean everything at the end of the night. And then you kind of had to deal with the worst versions of the customers. You know what's funny? I forgot to mention the box office staff as part of the hierarchy because they were separate because the box office was like its own separate thing at the front. Yeah. So, and it seemed like only girls were up there. Like all, like, like essentially if you were a cute girl, you'd end up at the box office. <laughs> it's kind of how it seemed to me. But, um, yeah, it, it, uh, I wanted to get out of that concession stand bad. And then eventually, you know, like it, it, I, again, it felt like I became friends with Dan and suddenly I had an usher shift on the schedule. <laughs> That's sweet. And I think really what happened was we got a little busier and then some people quit. You know, there was like old older dudes that left and then made space for some of us young dudes to step up. But I can't, I feel like there's a good chance Dan probably put in a word for me and got me on the usher schedule because suddenly I had like one or two usher shifts a week and then eventually I was usher all the time. And what but not was your, Dorman. <laughs> what, what was your responsibility as an usher? So the ushers would clean the theaters and basically clean the theater, like the lobby and stuff. But really what it consisted of was when the movie would get out, we'd go in with garbage cans and just quickly run down the aisles and pick up all the trash off the floor. Like we'd sweep with these big brush, with uh, big brooms, push brooms. Anything big, we'd pick up, throw them in the dumpsters. We had the big, you know big dumpsters we'd bring in but um or garbage cans not dumpsters but <laughs> that was like you know every couple every like 45 minutes we'd have a theater to clean and then the rest of the time we just wander around the actual lobby like picking up popcorn off the floor and 90 percent of the time we were just fucking around like making each other laugh and hitting on girls or flirting with girls or fucking with you know other teenagers that were there to see a movie yeah just whatever um just killing time sometimes watching movies you know, like I, I definitely spent. I remember watching all of the movie Speed over the course of one shift. 
<laughs> so like in, in like 40 minute or in 20 minute chunks so I'd oh. watch Speed for 20 minutes and I'd go clean a theater and then I'd figure out like what time to go in and catch the next 20 minutes of Speed so it was like opening weekend of that movie I saw the, the movie during my shift which was kind of funny but so many like huge movies in that time period too oh yeah kind of feels that way about all the different because I've worked at a couple theaters as we'll get into in future episodes and it, like every time I worked at theaters it felt like pretty epic theater moments but I mean it probably is always feels like that like if you work there now it would feel like that you know all these fucking Marvel movies and shit yeah that's true so it's just maybe it's always like that but but yeah there was a lot of good movies in there fucking right. Mrs. Doubtfire ran for a year <laughs> was in theaters for a fucking year oh my god hello <laughs> but yeah alright so so let me ask so at this point Dan who's a little bit more of a higher up than you are has befriended you and where is he standing with Aaron and Shane and where's Amy and all this we all once me and Dan became better friends I we kind of me and Shane were sort of becoming friends with Dan at the same time and then for whatever reason me and Dan just became closer quicker um Amy was still around. I think she had a boyfriend, like someone else, or was like on the verge of it. There was a lot of kind of uh, playing with Dan's emotions involved in that, I think. Okay. And the actual story is not for me to tell, but I know that he was on the hook there for a little while. And then at some point he kind of let it go. And I don't remember there being animosity. It never really came up after that. In fact, I didn't even know about it until after we were friends for a little bit, you know. And he told me kind of why, because I was like, "Hey, why didn't why were you not nice to me when I first got hired?" <laughs> right. You know that kind of thing. And then he he told me, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I don't remember it being a thing. But Aaron and Dan never became close. They were all they were friendly, but they were never like hang out one on one friends. Dan and Shane became closer than that, but me and Dan were like thick as thieves like he sort of he became my new best friend very quickly um yeah it was interesting mm. it was interesting to kind of transition into that relationship but i do that i've i had other best friends through high school you know what i mean like aaron and shane were always sort of there because they were always in my band and it was it was kind of a three musketeers aspect to us but i would go through a stint where i had a really close other guy friend for like five months and I'd hang out with them all the time and they'd be like essentially my best friend and then whatever would happen we'd go our separate ways and Aaron and Shane would still be there <laughs> welcome yeah. to exactly. the Lewin Dan love cast exactly that's what this <laughs> is gonna be he's gonna fucking hate this he's gonna he's already turned it off and he's probably sending me a very cross text message right now <sighs> stop airing my dirty laundry <laughs> but uh, we love us some Dan. I miss Dan. To, to, to carry on with the Dan theme, he one time he had to borrow my bow tie because he forgot his bow tie, yeah. and it gave him like the worst headache because it reeked of cologne from me spraying cologne on my fucking neck before every <laughs> shift and then wearing the same bow tie. So it was a combination of like obsession, eternity, and cross colors, which is probably rancid. <laughs> He like brought it, he brought it to me like holding it like it was a fart <laughs> like like holding it like three feet away from his face like get this thing away from me <laughs> holding a fart <laughs> yeah can't you hold a fart uh, not like that no but uh yeah I mean when I when I became an usher then we started really getting to fuck around and I remember we had like a 
it became sort of an initiation rite for new people where we would um, we would basically take new guys that got hired and, and they would have to punch holes in the like the you know the coke machines <laughs> yeah the boxes the boxes that the syrup comes in it's essentially like a cardboard like tight little box with a bag of syrup in it and once the syrup when if the syrup's full you can't really punch through it it's got a lot of like density to it but if the syrup is empty if you punch it like really hard and you commit you can just pop your hand right through it but you have to commit to it it's kind of a mind thing <laughs> so we would like show these new guys like all right here and this is step one and we'd fucking pop a hole in one of these boxes for them and then they'd have to do it and if they pass that test then we take them out back to these door to the back doors of the theaters and if you put enough ass into it you could actually pop the door open but yeah i remember i remember what like kick couple- the door open no you'd like grab it like there's these little handle pieces and you'd fucking yank it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was bizarre. You could pop the door open, essentially just break the lock and get into the theater. Okay. Yeah, it was fucking weird, but we used to do it, and it was sort of like a show of. It was like the feats of strength on on fest for Festivus on Seinfeld. Sure. It was like show us what you got, kid, and then if they passed the test, they were in the crew. But and what that meant essentially was during like the busier times, we'd get rowdy teenagers. We'd have to kick out of theaters. And this is where this kind of started and would become a, a, a fun pastime in later in later years. But, you know, eventually you'd get teenagers who thought they were hilarious and they'd be fucking around and people would come out and complain. All these kids yelling and talking during the movie and we'd go in there and kind of have a chat with them. And sometimes they'd shut the fuck up and then sometimes they would test us and then they wouldn't realize that, the, that we didn't have much rules. Right. So there many a time did we fucking chase kids out of that theater, like, you know, ready to brawl, and they're, like, running. I have a very distinct memory of chasing the kids out of the theater, through the lobby, out the front doors, and then around the side of the building into a neighborhood next door, like, trying to catch them. And in my head, I don't remember if I was like, I'm going to fuck these kids up. Because I was just like, I'm just going to keep making these kids run because I think it's humiliating for them to feel like we're I'm running away from this guy who's, like, maybe a year older than me. Right. Like, it's not like they were 12 and we were 30. They were probably 15 and I was 17, you know, 15 or 16. They were like high school kids. But And this was from, like, inside a theater while the movie was playing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that one, I kind of vaguely remember they were being assholes. And then Dan it was like, you know, you got to bounce. And then they did. And then they were standing out front of the theater, like, yelling things into the theater like about Dan I vaguely remember that they were yelling things about him and I was like oh and he was he wasn't even in earshot he was in the other side of the theater and so I heard them and I was like you guys just wait here I'll be right back and I went and got Dan I was like let's go fucking handle these kids and then we handled (laughs) we handled them but they ran very very quickly like rabbits (laughs) yeah it's pretty obnoxious did anything ever come to like blows no I never I never gotten any fights at that job it was always they'd always run away or occasionally they would just stand down you know we'd kind of stand toe to toe for a minute and then they'd just bounce they didn't want to deal with it yeah um and honestly i fucking think i'd been in a fight at that point if i had it was nothing nothing special so i was ready to <laughs> this was before the days where probably half those kids now would be like blue belts and jujitsu. <laughs> fucking MMA wasn't popular back then or even yeah it was a thing but it wasn't popular (laughs) some kid puts you in a fucking triangle speaking of which so at one point we had a promotion for like one of those three ninjas movies yeah those yeah and 
at this point, the general the general manager who initially was there left, got promoted or something, and then the assistant manager became the manager, and then he brought in this karate school called Z's Z's Martial Arts, and they they like came in and they did like demonstrations and there was a guy dressed in a ninja outfit that was like doing funky ninja moves around the theater and stuff and then essentially they told us that if we wanted to come to that karate school they would give us a discount on the rate just because you know hey new students and sort of you know we're buddies because the theater brought them in to do this fun thing so we all joined (laughs) <laughs> we all joined the fucking the martial arts school not all of us but some of us I did um, I remember Aaron and Shane definitely did but um, yeah we fucking would go to martial arts go to karate classes and I started taking karate did that for probably about I don't know I got an I got my orange belt so that's three belts white oh. yeah so white yellow and orange I got to orange and then honestly I ran out of money like I, I was like, I don't, this is more expensive than I'm willing to pay for these skills, which it's kind of funny because the school, my memory of the school is sort of like the Cobra Kai, you know, like we wore black geese and they were a little more rowdy than a normal karate school would be. It was like yeah. run by fucking, I think Dan actually knew the guys who ran the place like from his, when he was in high school, they were older than him in high school. And I feel like he remember they were kind of dicks. But yeah, but so they they didn't they weren't like horrible. It wasn't exactly Cobra Kai, but it was more like a Cobra Kai situation than what you imagine like a reputable martial arts school might have been at the time. Right. And I remember one of the things that was kind of funny was you could challenge anybody in the class to like a bare knuckle sparring match. You know, they say sparring match instead of fight. You know, so but it was like essentially if i want if me and aaron wanted to fight like like full-on real fight with fists we all we had to do was both agree and they would let us fight in the dojo so i remember that was kind of a funny thing that occasionally we would do i remember aaron and me did that once and beat the shit out of each other (laughs) and then i remember also the belt tests were interesting because you had to do your katas you know what katas are they're like forms they're like you yeah, basically yeah, yeah. remember a set of moves it's sort of like it looks like dancing in slow-mo but you're essentially doing a bunch of moves in a, in a row showing like the different skills you learned at that belt level and i remember part of the yellow belt and the orange belt test and i assume all the belts above that test were you had to do your katas and then you had to spar and you had to spar a belt higher than you that's so cool. yeah so like you would basically spar someone that was better than you and I remember, this is actually, this is fast forwarding a little bit, so I'll, I'll get into it in a minute, but I have a funny story for my orange belt test, which I'll tell you in a moment. So back to concessioneering, because I don't want to forget this, because it's one of my favorites. Um, like I said before, you, you we were supposed to offer people butter flavored topping, because it was like 25 cents extra or something. It was like an add-on, right? So we're trying to upsell people. So they were a popcorn, and you ask if they want butter flavored topping on it. And we weren't allowed to say butter, because it's not butter butter flavored topping right <laughs> they were very strict about those words you had to say butter flavored topping but we got to the point where it was just ingrained in us to ask we would just ask every time we got so you know it was like an automatic action yeah and i remember um i'm standing next to aaron we're on registers next to each other and we're ringing people up and it's like a busy night and aaron's ringing up this big black dude like a big dude right with big deep voice and a uh, guy <laughs> And the guy says, 
I didn't really hear everything. This is what I heard. Aaron goes, would you like butter flavored topping on that? And the guy goes, on my nachos? Hell no. <laughs> You've told me the story. <laughs> it's hilarious. And I laughed so fucking hard. And I, I've, I mean, goddamn, I remember that like 20 something years later on my nachos. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> it was so fucking great. I loved that. Um, yeah, fucking being a concessionaire sucked. But, uh... <laughs> fucking ridiculous. So, while I was ushering, they introduced this thing called the hawking cart. Now, the hawking cart was essentially like it was like a imagine a wheelchair but instead of a seat it had a rack where you would you put you would put drinks and popcorn and candy mm-hmm. so you know you it was essentially you would push this cart with these big wheels and you would go into the theaters essentially what they wanted us to do was try to sell people popcorn and shit in the theaters while you know, the movie's playing so, yeah, not while the movie's playing, but like during the beginning, before the movie starts. So essentially, you've got a full theater of people sitting in there, and some people are out buying stuff. But you could actually you go in the theater and just start yelling like you know, you know, you know, warm popcorn, ice cold drinks, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And you just walk down the whole theater and then turn across the front and then walk up the the other side and leave. And then during that, people would stop you and buy like a peanut M and M's or a large popcorn or you know, we had Coke or Diet Coke and. But it was kind of ridiculous because the popcorn would get cold pretty quick and then the drinks would start to get watered down. So it became a joke of like we'd go in there yelling, you know, like stale popcorn and, and lukewarm drinks as our hawking pitch and see if people would notice. Because they just hear someone yelling and they'd hear drinks. They wouldn't hear what you said. But we'd fucking yell that shit. But nobody wanted to do the hawking cart. It was the kind of thing where it's a new thing that corporate's bringing in and everybody's like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> like that sounds hilarious yeah i was so comfortable at this fucking job that i was like yeah let's i'll do it it'll be hilarious i'll walk around and yell and fucking talk to girls and you know have a whole routine it it just it sounded funny to me so and then i made it like a thing where i would tell people i was like oh yeah it's a chick magnet dude this fucking thing's a chick magnet called the hawking cart a chick magnet and it got to where other people were like well i want to try it (laughs) Like I essentially, I essentially made the thing appealing, and then other employees were like, well, "When do I get to do the hawking cart?" I mean, did you but enjoy it, or was it also I, like a I enjoyed it? Yeah. No, honestly, I enjoyed it because it was like a chance to just be obnoxious and loud and get people to look at me, which was very important to me back then. Right. So yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I didn't think it was like fun to sell popcorn and go fuck about that aspect of it, but it was sort of just fun to like it sort of spiced things up and then I also took it as a challenge like can I make this thing seem cool you know all these employees don't want to do it and I bet you I can make it cool and it was a hard sell dude it was like a good two weeks of me telling people it was a chick magnet before someone was like well I want to try it tonight but I remember this one time this guy Chad was all ready for his fucking first go at the hawking cart and he got it all ready he got the fucking drinks all full and the popcorn all full and he rolls into the first theater around the corner and like he goes in there and like seconds later he comes back out with a fucking empty cart and we're like what happened he's like it fucking fell he, he turned the corner and he like hit a bump or something and it like tipped forward and then the weight of the thing just fucking all ch- fell forward all the drinks and popcorn all over the fucking floor oh his like first time in first theater didn't get to sell a single fucking drink it was amazing I was laughing so fucking hard oh my god it was the best yeah it was pretty great 
But, uh, you know, it's funny. I just thought of something else. The, uh, you asked what being an usher was like. One of the things that we would do was, again, all this was just trying to make it fun for ourselves. But I remember, you see, you know, there was a movie called Blue Chips, which is about college basketball. It was like the first movie Shaq was in. I like that movie. Do you? Okay, so I don't remember anything about that movie except for the end of the movie had this really loud, obnoxious, like, band, like, marching band-style music. And when it was busy, we'd have, you know, three or four ushers in the movie at a time. And we would have fun in, in... during the like cleaning the theaters was a fun thing to do we would fucking shoot hoops with the popcorn and shit like across the theater trying to get it into the 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 garbage cans and just like being crazy but i remember when that when that song would come on we'd all come in there and we'd all do like a fucking crazy dance like swinging our arms around (laughs) and we'd get up on the fucking chairs and like walk down the aisle on the chairs like on the chair backs right and we'd all fucking be like singing along and shit (laughs) like and the people still sitting there like waiting for the credits to roll like you know there's occasionally those weirdos who like to watch the credits right they're all sitting there all just watching these fucking maniacs just tear through this theater to this marching band song acting like it's awesome it's fucking weird memories like that i remember at one point I was cleaning the theater with Shane and he fucking threw a full coke like, across the theater and I didn't I wasn't even paying attention he was like going for it he he, he shot the basket and it hit the, the edge of the fucking garbage can and it exploded all over me just drenched me in fucking coke and like for a second I was like do I kick his ass? <laughs> <laughs> like I love him and he's awesome and it's kind of funny because he was sort of like he was like sorry but it was also kind of funny I was, right. like, I was like in my head I'm like I don't know how to react to this it's like kind of funny but it's also really inconvenient <laughs> where was that in your shift middle of the shift I had to get a different shirt I had to go fucking wash my face off in the sink I was covered in coca-cola yeah it was pretty wacky I remember they have like events where we do like an early morning like a um a school or something would rent out a theater for their class in the morning sure so we'd show up and do like an early showing like at nine for the kids and then we'd work a whole shift and you could work a generally we'd work doubles so we'd work like instead of just working like an eight-hour shift we were like a 12-hour shift and then sometimes we have late shows so i remember there was times where i'd work 15 16 hour shifts take two lunches fucking make a gang of money now Minimum wage was four twenty-five an hour back then, and that's what I was making. But it seemed like a lot of money when you worked a bunch of those types of shifts. That was my next question. Yeah, four twenty-five an hour. But at that point, I think so. I was working pretty much full time while going to high school, and then around probably right after Christmas, I dropped out of high school, and so I was working full time at the theater only not going to school so I was working all the time like any hours they would give me I would take um but yeah it was I was fucking I was in but for some reason I didn't have any aspirations to be a manager remember at some point during this time I don't I think it was during this time Dan got promoted to uh like a assistant manager or supervisor position but he was like suddenly he had keys and he was wearing fucking suit jackets and ties and shit. Yeah. But he was still fucking Dan. It was kind of weird, actually. Right. <laughs> he was, like, counting drawers down at the, at the end of the night, but still, like, chasing kids around. Um, well, but, yeah, it was... Part of it, probably. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, something else is kind of, I guess, relevant is I... At this job is where I met my girlfriend of five years that I dated before my wife. Um, 
so she she worked there she got hired pretty quickly after me and there was like a light flirtation going but like I had a girlfriend at the time and I was kind of trying to it was the same actual girlfriend that I was dating when I was at Bob Chen's so I was still trying really hard to not step out on her and be a, a piece of shit and so even though like there was some girls at the theater I definitely w- were interested in I sort of kept it kept it close to the vest and then at some point so I remember I ended up breaking up with my girlfriend around Christmas time and then during that time Jacqueline who was my ex-girlfriend my girlfriend that my five-year girlfriend that I wasn't dating yet at that point um she went on like Christmas vacation or something so she was gone and so like while she was gone I decided like I'm I'm freshly single and there's there's fucking girls everywhere I look and I asked out this other girl that we worked with you know hey you want to hang out you know this this night after work or whatever or not we were off but I was like hey you want to hang out she's like yeah so I kind of made plans to hang out with this girl this is there's a reason why this is relevant it's twofold so I made plans to hang out with her and and I had my orange belt test that day so I was (laughs) going to do my orange belt test and then go home take a shower and then I was going to go pick her up and we'd go you know see a movie or have dinner or whatever and you know hopefully we'd get funky and uh so I, I woke up that day, and this was after I was dropped out, so I wasn't in school anymore. So I woke up that day, I got ready, I went to karate class. I was feeling really not good. Like, I was feeling really sick. Definitely under the weather. But I really wanted my orange belt, and I was ready to get it. So I went to class, and I got my fucking ass kicked. I got to my, my katas and everything, and then I had to do my sparring match. And the guy I sparred, was a, he was a green belt, he was a belt higher than me, but he was a man. He was like a, a fucking dude. He had tattoos and a beard. He was like probably in his late twenties or early thirties. Fuck. And he fucked me up, dude. <laughs> I remember at one point it was it was comical, and it wasn't just because I was sick. Certainly, I, it didn't help that I was sick, but it was like everything I threw, he saw it coming a mile away and countered it perfectly. At one point, there was a classic. It was like out of a Jean Claude Van Damme movie where I threw a fucking kick at him, and he ducked down and punched me in the nuts. <laughs> he like caught my leg. <laughs> He like ducked down, caught my leg above his head, and punched me in the fucking nuts. I was, wear- on, I was wearing a cup. I was wearing a cup, but it didn't matter. He punched me in the fucking nuts. The cup hit my nuts, but he fucked me up. He fucking cracked me in the face, gave me a bloody lip. He he beat the shit out of a, a, a fucking seventeen year old. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, man. Um, so I I finished that class. I got my orange belt. <laughs> I went home. Oh, you I still take, got your belt? Yeah, I got my belt. You didn't have to win. You just had to do it. You just had to have a showing. You know what I mean? You had to show heart. It was all about heart there. You know, okay. it wasn't so much about like it was okay if you got. I mean, I'm fighting a guy who's better than me. You know, but it was about can you push through even if you're even if you encounter adversity or whatever, all that kind of bullshit, right? So sure. I knew I didn't have to win. I just had to go through the process of it and I demonstrated I knew all the techniques through the kata portion of it right and it's a fucking orange belt it's not that spectacular so I get my ass kicked I go home I don't even take a fucking shower because I'm feeling so nauseous and my head's pounding and my face hurts and my nuts hurt so I'm like I'm gonna lay down I'm gonna lay down for like a couple minutes and then I'll get up I'll take a shower and I'll call this girl that I have a date with and well I'm still gonna go out on this date because I really wanted to like I, honestly, I wanted some strange. You wanted so, to get funky. I did. I wanted to get funky. And it was it was time to get funky. I just was not feeling well. And I had like a couple of hours. I thought I was good. So I went to sleep. And then I woke up. 
and it was still it was like dark out but i could tell i had slept longer you know you wake up and you're like how long did i sleep fucking i like had that moment where i like woke up and i'm like how long has it been what what day is it you know i couldn't figure out what day it was this is before again like computers and cell phones and stuff were normal so i was like trying to find a like what day is it I'm calling people and nobody's answering their phones. <laughs> the fuck and out then here. essentially, I essentially I slept. I after karate class, I slept through the rest of the day, through the night, through the next day, and then into the early evening of that second day. It had been like a full fucking. <laughs> I was so <laughs> fucked up. I slept like a full twenty four hours, and I was like, I was like, what the? I lost a day. I was so confused. But that guy kicked your fucking ass, dude. He kicked my ass. I, he may have concussed me. I'm not gonna lie to you. He may have gave me a concussion. I might have. I might have should have gone to the hospital. Yeah. He fucked me up. But so I, I finally get a hold of uh, Aaron, and we're talking, and he's telling me about this date he went on. Well, hold, realized, on, hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? I'm holding. Did you sleep through work? Like, what happened? I don't. I didn't have anything planned the next day. I think I had the next day off because I remember that being an issue. Okay, and then essentially I slept through what would have been my date, and then I slept through the next day, which would have been my just lounge around the house time, I guess. All right, and so did I didn't you, miss anything except for the date I missed. And did you talk to this girl? Well, here's the thing. So I called her that night she didn't answer the phone and I couldn't get a hold of her and then I talked to Aaron and Aaron starts telling me about a date he went on the night before yeah you get where I'm going he went on my date (laughs) he fucking swooped in I didn't see that coming dude he fucking swooped in and he, he, he went on my date and he made some things happen and I was you know what it wasn't like I was in love it wasn't she wasn't the one uh but and I wasn't mad. I was just like, oh, man, I fucking blew it, right? I slept through my goddamn day, and that was kind of my opportunity. The thing that's funny, though, is not long after that, it back, now I'm back at work, and then Jacqueline comes back from her Christmas vacation, and very, very quickly thereafter, me and her became an item. And it was like, uh, had I gone on that date and probably done some things, there's a very good chance she wouldn't have been okay with like being playing second fiddle you know so it worked out Mm -hmm. the universe stepped in and synchronicity held my hand and and put me on the right path i guess but i got my ass kicked and missed my date and it led to a five-year relationship (laughs) (laughs) that's a good story dude to a degree yeah that's the short version which is better than the long version (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah um yeah that job became more fun actually once me and Jacqueline started dating because you know I was like working with my girlfriend and all my best friends and she got fucking robbed she so you remember earlier I talked about the box office yeah so she became when she first got hired she was a concessionaire with us and then around the time I went to Usher Dorman she got promoted up to box office so now she's up at the box office and I, you know I'd like bring her fucking snacks up to the box office because it was separate from everything else so I'd bring up like a little thing of popcorn for her or whatever dude so first of all popcorn got old real quick at that job I, I like I fucked with popcorn for like a month and then I didn't fuck with popcorn again for like 10 years <laughs> but I ate so many goddamn nachos 
while working at that job. I used to take a big ass metal mixing bowl and I put a layer of chips, a layer of cheese, a layer of jalapenos, another layer of chips, another layer of cheese, another layer of jalapenos. And I'd fill that fucking mixing bowl up and then I'd go on my break and fuck those nachos up. And I did that a lot. <laughs> so I gained some weight. I had young man metabolism, but I definitely had a little bit of moobs going. Yeah. <laughs> fucking nacho moobs. Yeah. So, but where was I? So, uh, Jacqueline was at, in the box office one random fucking day, and it was at daytime. I remember that. And I was working, and all of a sudden we were like getting called. Like, like we could tell something happened up at the front. There was like things going on and people running around and acting weird. And essentially, somebody fucking walked up to the box office and showed her. There's her and this other girl were up there, showed them a fucking gun. And where it was like, give me the fucking money. And I remember her, when Jacqueline told me the story, she's like, the it was Jacqueline and another girl in the box office. And the other girl was the one that was closer. And Jacqueline was like, when the guy's like, give me the money. And the other girl like froze. Like she was like freaked out. And Jacqueline's like, give him the fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> and like, she's like, come on, snap out of it. Give him the money. She gave him the fucking money and he bailed. And of course I was all like, where is he? Like running out, running around looking for a fucking guy in a you know trench coat and a hat. Like, where'd this fucking guy go? Rob my girlfriend. But <laughs> fast forward like a couple of months, I guess this guy robbed uh, like a liquor store or something like, you know, a couple miles away from there. And as he was leaving an undercover cop or a cop who was off duty was like in the strip mall and saw something suspicious and basically followed the guy's car and, you know, arrested him and then they got him for the robbery and a couple other things. And But there was a period where Jacqueline had to go by a different name like while the guy was you know waiting trial and stuff like mm. they sh they would wear the two girls that were in the box office when the robbery happened they were wearing name name tags that said different names so i remember jacqueline had an erica name tag she was wearing <laughs> during that period so that if like somebody came to fuck with a witness or, or intimidate or potentially hurt them to keep them from you know being able to testify or whatever they they didn't want them to be able to identify them by their names which yeah. kind of seems silly. I mean, I guess it's I guess it's reasonable, but it seems like a small step to take. As far as I know, the guy just pleaded out, and went to jail. Didn't she didn't have to go testify or anything? But yeah, that was something weird. I just thought of. That is weird. My sister yeah. got held up at gunpoint too. Really? Where? What? What was the situation? Uh, my youngest sister Lisa was working at a gas station. She kind of froze. She kind of froze, and then like gave the dude the money and then she was kind of fucked up after that for a little bit yeah I can imagine I don't know that's like the kind of thing that I guess I've been in a lot of situations and I've had it tested you know you always say like oh how would I react in that situation you think you know how you react and my feeling is that I don't really get affected by that kind of stuff yeah um, and I've never been robbed but I've definitely been in pretty terrifying situations involving like firearms and stuff like that i've i've had i've had it tested and i've reacted how i expected myself to react mm -hmm. and maybe i've even kind of forced myself like okay i'm so certain i would react this, this way that when the situation happens you know like when i've had a gun pulled on me my reaction isn't freeze and like turn off and my reaction isn't like cower and hide under you know a rock it's i sort of have a okay, well, this is going to happen either way, so I'm going to go out in the blaze if I have to. Sure. You know, which is stupid, probably, but 
that is how I imagine I would act, and it is how I've acted when those situations have arisen. Right. I don't know where that comes from, though. It might be like a slight sign of uh, that I'm a sociopath or something. You know? Maybe you don't want to look like a bitch or feel like a bitch. Maybe. I mean, is the desire to not feel like a, like a weak person after the incident happens so strong that it would drive me to act in a sort of irresponsible way during the moment? I almost feel like it's counter... Like, the idea is you can't control your reaction. Like, those people who go stiff or who can't react or who just fall on the ground and get in the fetal position, like, they aren't choosing to do that. That's just how they react when confronted with something terrible, right? Right. But in my brain, I'm like, oh, if, if that happened, I would hope that I would have the presence of mind to react to it in a way that makes sense in the, in the context, right? Obviously, if the context is leave out the back door, then that's the right move. But if somebody pulls a gun on me and is like a foot away from me with the gun, turning around and running away doesn't make any sense to me. Right? Because, like, right. they just shoot me in the fucking back. So I'd rather them shoot me in the front as I'm trying to wrestle them to the ground or whatever than turn around and run and hope they don't shoot me in the back. I guess I just feel like I'd rather take my fate into my hands in that situation. But again, you don't know if when the situation happens, that's actually how you're going to f- react because you're not thinking when it happens. Although, really, when that stuff has happened to me, I've been thinking, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I just, maybe, again, maybe I'm just so good at compartmentalizing my emotions that I can do that, but also maybe I'm a psychopath and I don't have the right emotions. <laughs> it's, I think it's maybe. based on people. And, and you're the kind of person that, you know, when you say you're going to do something most of the time, I mean, again, it's all circumstantial, right? So if yeah. some guy, like, he catches you on the right day and you're he's too aggressive or you know you're not in the mood (laughs) or something you know and he just gets you then you're in a fetal position but you're not really like that you're kind of like do you do you have any moments where you like were in a position where you were kind of you were worried about your physical safety and you cowered or you reacted in a way that was sort of Maybe it was the smart way to handle it because it kept you safe, but it wasn't the manly way, the macho way to handle it. Do you have any moments like that in your past? Yeah, I have have an example for you right now. Um, So I was working for the moving company, and we were driving back to the shop, and I was on North Avenue under the highway, and a fucking, like, painter truck or something like that with, like, ladders on the side Mm -hmm. of the truck... Yeah, fucking hooked onto my rearview mirror or my side mirror, yeah. and, and ripped the fucking thing off. And like, I don't know what happened. Like, I heard something or felt something and pulled my arm in because my arm's like on the window, mm-hmm. and I, I did freeze for a minute because the guy fucking you know took off, and you know the guy next to me was like fucking go after him, go after him, and I like was like kind of just in my own head i was like fuck that <laughs> you yeah. know you know yeah. and yeah i mean fuck if if i lost my arm you know i couldn't do half the shit that i love to do yeah you know or enjoy doing you know so 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the manly thing would have been to, like, catch up to him. Chase him. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, honestly speaking, I think if I was in that situation, I probably also wouldn't have chased him. Yeah. Even though, like, again, like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but it's, it gets a little different when the person bails. Right. Now you're actively the pursuer. So you're no longer out of danger and you're now putting yourself back in danger because of what they owe you a fucking mirror or whatever. You know, they could have just fucking robbed a liquor store and you pull up and they blow your head off with a shotgun they've got laying on the passenger seat. So, <laughs> right. So is that like the, that, is that the most, the one you can think of right now? Um, <laughs> I mean, if, if we delve deep, do you, you have know, another one? Oh, I or, have, I have some stuff. Yeah. I mean, do you? so. I'm I'm six foot tall. You're six My, one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the right in the right shoes. In the right shoes. If my shoes are off, that's a different story. You're slightly taller than Dan, right? I we're real close. I don't know. Okay. Listen. Um, it's a perfect sixty nine is what you're saying. <laughs> it's pretty close. Um I was probably thirteen years old. <laughs> and uh <laughs> this is kind of weird i was why <laughs> so when i was a kid like that age i was like 12 11 12 13 i was into fucking pro wrestling okay so so <laughs> me and me and a bunch of my friends like did you think it was real not be honest to- not totally no Okay. I mean, there's I mean, re- real aspects to it and stuff like that, but well, they're really doing what you see. It's just, you know, it was you know it was staged, right? Right, right. Okay. So, <laughs> so we went to this fucking. Uh, it's like a gymnastics academy, and I don't know. It's like a bunch of kids, like our age, would go to like this open gym on Friday night or Saturday night or whatever. And I went, and I was like fucking around with my friend, and like this other dude I mean I was like 13 years old this guy had to be like 17 or 18 years old and he starts fucking pushing me really yeah and like like I even remember like he was like in shape and like way <laughs> way fucking taller than me dude yeah and, and he pushed me to the ground and I kept getting up and I was like well you weren't six feet when you were 13 <laughs> were you hell no dude I was like okay chubby and like you know, I was strong when it came to my friends, but like this fucking dude was not like, compared to an adult. Hell no, this dude was like yeah. eight inches taller than me, man, and yeah. he was fucking pushing me around. And I kept getting up, and then he like, I don't know if he hit me in the face. He might have hit me in the face, but like I didn't really. It didn't like flinch me. Like yeah. I like I took it, and I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, if I try to fight this guy, he's gonna fucking kill me. Yeah. And he had all these older guys with him, so like that happened, and then it just kind of like. Um, dissolved mm-hmm. but man that that left me with some like some feelings for sure yeah you know do you like, think about, you think about that occasionally um not as much late you know yeah. in, in the past you know 10 years 12 years 15 years yeah but, if you could go back in time if you could like go back into that version of you with your consciousness right now would you handle it differently yeah, I would have hit him back. Yeah. Yeah, just... Just so you could look at yourself in the mirror for the next three years? Yeah. I mean... Isn't it, that weird? It's very weird, yeah. It fucked me up a little bit. 
I have a couple, but the one that always I think of all the time, I think of it probably once a month since it happened, and it happened around probably a year after this theater uh, job that I was at. I was walking with Jacqueline. We'd been dating for probably about a year, and we were walking back to our apartment that we now lived in together with her mom, and we were walking past Palatine High School, and I, you know, again, being a fucking dickwad, I had an OJ hat, which was, this was like in the, in the height of he had, you know, he was on trial, but he hadn't gotten off yet. And so I thought it was funny to rep OJ, right? Like, not because I like OJ or because I think he didn't do it. He fucking definitely did it and he definitely got away with it and fuck that guy. But at the time I was like, oh, it's hilarious to have a fucking black hat with white OJ letters just on the, on the, like, why do you have an OJ hat? A little white kid. So many people supported him though. Like after seeing like these documentaries and shit, like so many people were like, but but go on. Yeah. He's He's definitely a murderer. So I had an OJ hat, which to me was just like basically a joke. And me and Jacqueline are walking down the sidewalk past Palatine High School and we're kind of through walking through the parking lot towards the back and this truck pulls up like a pickup truck and there's a guy in the passenger seat and a guy in the driver's seat and then a guy in the back and they're you know, like probably in the a bed? Little, yeah like in the bed like riding in the bed and they're probably a little older than me but they're not much older than me and they might even be my age they didn't seem older they seem like like gangbangers but like white suburban gangbangers although i think one of them was latino he had a bit of an accent and he was the one that was talking to me but as they pulled up the guy was like saying like you an og you an og man like that kind of thing like he thought my hat said og like original gangster which back then you know in in the mid 90s was a meaningful thing and lots of studio rap uh, gangster rap happening and that thing so he was like kind of challenging me and I was like man I don't what the fuck are you talking about like I'm not I got nothing to do with that and I've got nothing to do with you and we're just walking I'm, walk, I'm walking with my girlfriend you know and in my head I'm thinking all right there's one of me there's three of three of them and if I go down if one of these guys knocks me out now my girlfriend's standing there alone with these three fucking assholes so I need to I need to stay conscious and just you know what I mean like my, in my head I'm thinking like let's just fucking keep walking so we were doing that thing that, that I guess is an option in these situations, which is to just keep walking straight and just keep looking straight ahead and not respond to them. And they're like driving next to me, you know, like slowly driving, like talking to me, talking shit, saying they're going to fuck me up, that whole thing. Right. And I'm just like ignoring them, like not responding to them and everything. And they spend the whole time just getting on me like that. And then eventually they got bored with it. They just fucking turned and left. And then... I kind of there was like that moment where she made me feel better that I didn't react to it, but I've thought about that fucking once once a week for twenty five years, and that the I made the right choice, right? I made the correct choice, the, the responsible choice, but it left me feeling like less a fucking person. It took something from me. You know what I mean? I'll never get that thing back what it took for me. It doesn't matter how right I was or how mature I was in the moment or that, yeah, things could have gone really bad really quick. It, you never get that thing back. It's so fucked up. And you're, you're right that there's a good chance that that thing happened. And then from then on, I'm like, if somebody ever steps to me again, I'm, if I have to be there, I'm there. 
like I've diffused lots of situations where it just made more sense to diffuse it than to just smack a fucking guy but I don't know like I think it did change something in me and it made me like when I'm in situations where I have to fucking step up I'm I don't worry as much about will I be physically injured and again I I tell myself oh it's because I didn't want Jacqueline to be in a bad situation if I got hurt but let's be honest like maybe that's it maybe I'm just a bitch (laughs) you know we don't know we'll never know for sure because that's how it happened on the inverse of that I'm walking home from McDonald's probably not too long after that happened I'm walking home from McDonald's nighttime it's dark I'm walking in kind of a shitty area like not a great neighborhood got my fucking bag of fucking McDonald's and I'm, I'm walking back to the apartment alone and a car I can feel it driving slowly to my left like pulling up behind me and I'm like what's this about kind of keeping my periffs on it yeah. and then there's like a moment where I kind of stopped walking and then the car pulled up and stopped right behind where I was and then I turned and looked and as I turned all four doors opened and dudes got out and like and I was like nope and I dropped my fucking bag and I ran as fast as I could I jumped like three fences were they following like, nope. you? they it I am as certain as I can be without knowing for sure that they were gonna get out and beat the shit out of me as part of some sort of like let's have fun on Friday night or maybe a gang jump in it was, it was kind of a gangy neighborhood yeah it's like Latino gangsters in that area so like yeah I felt immense danger and I was like nope not gonna turn and and walk towards this and I got the fuck out of there and I've and I never felt bad about that you know what I mean because that four on one and I I had no they didn't get out and I didn't see them you know they got out and I was like those are four men I'm out of here I'm not even gonna look and see like oh could I kick one or two of their asses like nah fuck that Uh, it could have been weapons like and it maybe was just because Jacqueline witnessed the other thing you know like I had a, a a girl I liked watched me not not defend myself to harassment you know so I don't know but again I've 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 turned around and stepped to people for dumber reasons and in dumber situations without there being any witness you know as far as like if I had run away, no one would know, but I didn't run away because I just was like, I'm not going to run away for this fucking guy. You know, like there's times where I'm just, I look at the person, I'm like, nope, I'm not going to run away from this fucking guy. I don't care if this guy's got a baseball bat. I'm not running away from him. Like he's going to have to beat the shit out of me because I can't look at myself in the mirror if I run away from this guy with this wispy little mustache. Oh man. <laughs> well, it's, you know, our, our ego plays with us a lot too. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, what, what is a man what is you know does it make me less you know Mm -hmm. for not responding or whatever yeah it's a weird dynamic for me especially because of you know my sexuality and stuff like there's a lot of weird things about me that are very feminine and not masculine I guess maybe that's why I feel like the masculine parts I have to really embrace and put forward because yeah, I don't know. There's like the yin and yang needs to be yin and yang. It can't be all yin or all yang. If it gets too much yang, I gotta put a little more yang in there. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense to me. So uh, I'm trying. To, I think that might be everything um, I associate with this job. And then uh, how this job ended for me. I bet that's that's probably interesting because why would I quit this job? It's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're now about 
probably 10 months into my stint working there maybe a little more so i like i said i dropped out of high school my intention wasn't to drop out and just be a fucking high school dropout my intention was to drop out and then go to night school to finish or finish on time because i had i had to make up credits in order to graduate with my class which was 94 and so i was like okay i can not graduate this year and go to summer school and maybe get enough credits in summer school to graduate after that or maybe have to go like another half a semester or whatever after or i can drop out of school high school and go to a night school program that is like accelerated and get all the credits i'm missing in the same amount of time so i can graduate with my class in 94 so that was my plan and it wasn't really a plan it was more like fuck school this sucks i want to get out of here and get done quickly but i'd already gone to three and a half years so i wanted to at least graduate so i dropped out and then enrolled in this night school and the night school wasn't anywhere close to where i lived and i didn't have a car at the time and the idea was i would drive there using my dad's car you know three days a week or whatever he'd pick me up or drop me off and then real quick after i dropped out my dad got kicked out by my stepmom or left of his own volition i don't know exactly what happened but i know all of a sudden he left and he he was gone as was my ride and there was really no explanation for it either and so now i'm in the house with just my stepmom and my half brother and me and my stepmom essentially hate each other's guts so um so I didn't go to night school. I just became a high school dropout with a job at the movie theater. And then when I turned 18 in May, my essentially like right before I turned 18, my stepmom came and told me, yeah, when you turn 18, you need to bounce. Like, I'm not, you don't live here anymore once you're an adult. I don't, you know, this isn't working. And on one hand, I can... I can understand where she was coming from because we did not get along and I was not respectful and she didn't deserve my respect, but regardless if you play the she was an adult i'm a kid and just by nature of that she deserves my respect i did not hold up that into the bargain (laughs) but you know there was times where she'd call the cops on me because i was acting wrong and the cops would show up and be like well he's not doing anything he's just acting like an asshole we can't (laughs) he's he's 17 we can't like take him to jail for calling you a bitch you know like really what do you want us to do about it she's like well just stand behind me with your arms crossed while i yell at him and so they did did that um so yeah i'm not even fucking kidding dude so yeah the cops all did she feel better i don't know i don't think she she never seemed like she felt better she probably felt better after i left but so yeah she told me i had to get out and uh i didn't have anywhere to go i remember crying weirdly because i don't cry except for when you know watching like shitty tv and stuff but like in real life i don't cry where is your dad do you hear anything from him or he's nope. just fucking gone he's just gone it was like one day i realized i hadn't seen him in like three days and i sort of i didn't we kind of went our separate ways like i came and went as i pleased i didn't eat dinner with them i bought my own groceries i bought my own toiletries i essentially was just living there rent free and coming and going on my own schedule and there'd be days where i wouldn't come home for three or four days because i'd sleep over at friends houses or whatever but yeah i just uh, he just i just didn't see him all of a sudden for a couple of days and then at some point it became clear that he had they had like had a falling out and he had left and um yeah i can't remember having a conversation with him about it i did you know probably months later i kind of heard his side of it to a degree it might have even been like a year later but whatever the case i had to leave the house and like I said, I had nowhere to go. All my friends were still in high school and still live with their parents. Um, 
and to make things weirder, I had I had done something criminal the previous like December, and I had community service I was supposed to do within the by the end of the year. I had a hundred or two hundred and forty hours of community service that I had to do before the end of the year, and uh, so I had that, and I had. I just I was like fucked, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm like oh shit, I'm gonna have to find a place to live. I'm not old enough to get an apartment. I don't make enough money to get an apartment. So essentially, Jacqueline's mom let me sleep on their couch in their living room for like about three months, and then she got an apartment, a new apartment, a different apartment like down the road, with a bedroom for me, a bedroom for Jacqueline, a bedroom for her, so like a three bedroom, and then I just paid her rent every month I paid her like 300 bucks or something like that um but around that point I needed more money I, I didn't no it was actually before that I quit I quit the job or I quit the theater basically because I needed more money I was like I can't I was gonna get an apartment with this other friend of mine or try to and I'm like I can't afford rent making 425 an hour doesn't matter how many hours I work. So, um, okay, so this is making more sense now. So my dad bailed somewhere around, like, February, and then in the vicinity of summer, he popped back up. And that's and the reason I know that is because he actually got me the interview for the next job after this one, which, <laughs> which was going to pay me more. So that's why I quit this job, essentially, to go work at this other place through my dad, because I was going to make more money and we'll talk about that job next time because <laughs> it's it's quite a amusing one <laughs> but that's why I quit the theater and I'll tell you right now I fucking regretted the shit out of it because I didn't make that much more money and the job no and I have been trying to recreate a version of that theater job ever since <laughs> and sometimes successfully but mostly not but yeah, that's that's how I ended up not working at the theater anymore. Is about is there about a year? It's probably just under a year. Um, it was a very important time period for you. Yeah, I mean, part of it was the people I met. Part of it was the age I was. You know, I sort of I feel like a little bit I became an adult during that time. I went from being the fucking high school kid to a, a grown up. But I would say so. But yeah, that's how that that's how that ended. Oh, I just thought of something else. Holy shit. So this isn't really about the job, but it's about Ridge and it's apropos because of that. So probably around this time or maybe even a little after this time. And you know what? It was probably the winter after that. I'm thinking it was probably the winter after I worked there. Um, so fast forward another six months after I quit. But when me and Dan would like were getting into shape, you know, like getting back on the train and running and, and lifting weights and stuff because he was a manager he had keys to the ridge and they had an upstairs like storage room in the projection booth and we fucking set up the the weight our weight bench and all our weights and shit up there and we would go at like two in the morning after the theater was closed and everybody was gone we'd fucking show up alone and go lift weights with fucking music plasting and we'd run in the theater like we had a route where we'd run around the projection booth because there's like a big loop and then we'd run down the stairs and then run through the lobby in like a certain pattern and then back up the stairs and do another loop like because it was winter so it was snowy outside and shitty but yeah, we used to fucking do that <laughs> at night. Like nobody knew we were doing it. And we That's were so awesome. nervous because we're like, can the fucking floor of this this storage space 
like hold the weight is it gonna cause a problem i can't remember what happened but something happened where he had to remove the he had to like pull the weights out like somebody found out or someone complained or there was some sort of an issue but yeah for a while there we were lifting and running at the theater every night at two in the morning fucking like crazy people that's funny i think back on that time and it seems so it's like it was like me and him alone in the world there was nobody else in the world it was snowy out and cold and it was middle of the night and we're fucking lifting weights (laughs) fucking listening to hardcore (laughs) it's such a weird memory and then fucking each other passionately oh god i would just spread those cheeks and (laughs) get in there man you know if he were open to it maybe we would have but he's he's never given me any kind of a he's never given me any signal he's never given me any kind of thumbs up he's he's been very straight the entire time (laughs) couldn't be more straight yeah he's uh he's one of the calls i made when i when i realized i was bisexual and came out of the closet if you will i never felt like i was in the closet but when i became open about it there was about a two-week period of time where i was like Ooh, this is a thing and i'm kind of confused by it and i didn't tell anybody until i was not confused by it anymore so but he was he was one of those calls and he did not say i'm fine as long as you don't try to fuck me right but he probably was thinking it (laughs) (laughs) does this guy want to fuck me he's not homophobic at all but i definitely never got the sense he wants wanted to fuck no he's not he's not down no i miss that guy he's not dead but i miss having him in my life in that capacity i miss you in that way too but i mean i've been friends with him for so fucking long Mm -hmm. it's crazy like more than half my life i've been friends with him (sighs) (laughs) and so so ends the dan cast (laughs) fucking dan it's a good episode yeah if you ever want to actually hear dan talk or whatever uh, we the three of us did a podcast called the least worst of back in 2012 i believe where the three of us talked in great great detail about albums and music uh, there's four wonderful three-hour episodes so 12 hours of of listening to you me and dan talk about music and i'm pretty sure you can get it on the various podcasting services still because however i can't remember how i did it but i put them in a way so that even when i stopped paying for the url they're still available mm-hmm. I, I checked i listened to them actually kind of recently just for funsies on Castbox. i mean honestly i i think i sound like an asshole <laughs> more so than i remembered but they're fun they're it's nostalgic now i mean it's fucking seven years ago so it's weird to Time flies when you're not doing shit. Oh my god. When you're getting jobs, quitting jobs, and getting new jobs. <laughs> so this is job four, right? This is job four. Yes. We're on job four, and we're on episode five of the... Oh, I forgot to tell you, I uh, and I guess the audience will know this before you do, unless you've actually looked at the website recently, but... We're calling these episodes the job episodes. We're calling them the vocational error rundown. <laughs> because these are all serious vocational errors I've made. And it reminds me of a... You know you know who Dennis Miller is? He's a comedian yeah. who's now an asshole. Mm-hmm. He used to be a comedian and now he's an asshole. Um, he, he had a joke. Too? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, he went like full right wing at some point. Um, but back in the day, he was a, a comedian. 
and I remember really liking a joke he told where he basically said, you know, if you've reached the age of 35 and you're still wearing a name tag at your job, you've made a serious vocational error. And I always remember thinking that was funny, so we're going to call these episodes the Vocational Error Rundown. I like it. Yeah, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, this is job four, and we've only got like 72 or 71 more jobs to go. So four jobs in three or four years? Uh, first job was 90, and this job was 94 to 90, 93 to 94, so this is four years. Okay. So we're doing pretty good. Four jobs in four years. We're cooking now. They're gonna Soon it's going to be like... So much more quickly. <laughs> you know what's awesome? There's definitely going to be years where I had seven jobs in one year. I, I don't I don't know, remember what years those are, those are, and I don't remember which jobs those are, but there's definitely going to be a couple of really spectacular years. Yeah, we'll get there soon. Oh, it's going to be so funny. I can't wait till we get to a job where I have, like, one story. <laughs> and they're just going to talk about dicks the rest of the episode. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. All right, so that's uh, that was Ridge Cinemas. We did it. We made it. It was a long one. Um, hopefully you guys got some some joy out of my stories there and, and enjoyed some of those. Uh, yeah, next time we're going to be talking about... I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I don't 100% remember the name of this next job because it's an acronym and I don't remember what it stands for. And I'm, I might reach out to my dad and ask him so I know officially, but I think it was called PCA. Are there going to be a lot of these where you don't remember them? No. No, there's only like two, and this okay. is one of them. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I might reach out to him. We'll see what, what kind of mood I'm in just to find out because, like, like I said, he'll, he'll know what it was called. But I think it was called PCA, and it was a warehouse-type job, and it's going to get fucking gnarly. We're going to be pressing pie pans. <laughs> working, with, working with big, scary machines. Forklift injuries. Oh, it's going to be good. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Thanks for listening, guys. This was fun. And uh, hopefully you'll come back next time. Thanks, guys. See you soon.